Hi, and welcome to another episode of Chart of Fortune, the astrology podcast where I look at the birth charts of the moments and things that made pop culture. I'm your host, Elise Blaylock, and this week I'm asking you to vote. For Pedro, that is. Yes, grab your best dance track and friendship bracelets, and please snag your best frenemy, Tina the Llama, and a damn quesadilla because it's a Napoleon Dynamite episode, y'all. As we speak, I'm recording this on election day, and things at my house and in my life are a little tense. I wanted to record an episode that wasn't political, or at least wasn't based in real politics that actually affect our lives. And by the time you hear this episode, when it drops Wednesday morning, or whenever you listen to it, we might know more about local and presidential elections, and I hope we're breathing a little easier. But as Jamiroquai taught us in Can Teach, which is the song that Napoleon, uh, you know, dances to at the end of the movie, nothing left for me to do but dance. Off these bad times I'm going through, just dance. All the nasty things that people say, dance. Yeah, but I'm going to make it anyway. Do you hear that? Listen a little closer. It's the sound of me dethroning William Shatner as speaking song lyrics in the whitest person ever. Just listen softly to the wind and you'll hear him swearing under his breath. Ha! Listen up, William. You've lost the Priceline ad campaign to Kaylee Cuoco, and now you've lost talk singing. A hard rain is going to fall, William. And women who pay a lot of money to keep their hair very blonde, and also Chris Pine, we're going to take everything away from you. Do you really think that Kaylee Cuoco, the most successful horse girl of all time, and her Panera Sponcon, and her uncomfortably blonde husband are scared of you? Oh, honey, no. Chris Pine might be. I, I don't know. His eyes to me belie a certain level of vulnerability. But these honey blonde highlights, they don't run. No, sir. Obviously, my breathing exercises and journaling through this election are going so well. I haven't cried at all during this podcast recording. Like, at what? not once. And I just checked how long I've been recording. So it's not long enough to be considered a triumph at all. But let's move on. Just like America did from the uncomfortable reality that William Shatner was in miscongeniality. I had forgotten this, as you likely have, because I was blindsided from the immense talents of Sandra Bullock, Benjamin Bratt, Candace Bergen, Michael Caine, the last of which is forever in my heart a Scrooge in the Muppet Christmas Carol. Such range and depth this cast. You try singing to a Muppet with a straight face. Yeah, I thought so. Now, Napoleon Dynamite was, for many elder millennials, a cultural touchstone. It could have easily birthed that weird nerd hipster aesthetic that began in the early 2000s and probably died out once the cold reality set in that if we're all quirky and odd, then it means our generation just lacks social skills. We can't all be bucking the same system in the graphic tee we all got at Urban Outfitters. Like, most of us have a few planets in Capricorn. We aren't bad to the bone. We want to be bad and bougie. But the choice of embracing being intentionally awkward, which frankly most teenagers are, is an evolution from the grunge cool kids from the 1990s films and a rebellion against the 1980s preppy teenagers in the movies where all of the cool kids wore polos and had nicer cars than I feel any reasonable parent would allow. Maybe it's those Capricorn placements. And let us not forget the weird introduction from the film where plates of food have the credits on them. At the time when this came out, it was completely unique. You must remember that elder millennials at the time did not ask for much. We liked trucker hats. We liked turning, getting dressed into a bingo card of layering with squares on the thing to include thin scarves, low rise and or studded jeans, dresses over aforementioned jeans, weird backless shoes that have mesh in the front and then like plastics in that mesh. Uh, I don't 
really know how to explain them or what they're called because I've literally probably spent time in therapy trying to forget them. Ironic graphic tees, belts, a profoundly large amount of lip gloss. Do I wish the clothes that are available now were available then? You know, I do, but life is fucking cruel. And if you're not rocking a miniskirt that had ruffles on the bottom alongside a coordinated cami and bolero, then life in 2005 felt even crueler those days. This movie was a revelation to me personally. I went to an all-girls Catholic high school, and most of the people I went to school with had known each other since kindergarten. Yeah, let that sink in. I basically knew no one. And in this, I thought, I'll run for class president in freshman year. And I totally lost. And if I know now what I, if I could tell myself what I know now, it would be that I should have ripped off Summer's speech from this movie and tell those girls I would make a great class president because I promised to put two new pop machines in the cafeteria. And I'm also going to get a glitter Bonnebelle dispenser for the girls' bathrooms. Anyway, I think it'd be a great class president. Then that might have won me the damn thing. Being someone who has still lost many a lip product to the washing machine, I did not have Lancome Juicy Tubes or MAC lip glasses back in the day. I did have those Bonnebelle lip smackers, and I get to feel a certain sense of superiority now to the mean teenage girls who did have the Lancome or MAC lip gloss. Oh my god, such a great lip gloss, I imagine myself saying. I'm sure all those animals they tested on look just as good and self-important and smug as you do. Now, in this scenario I've created in my head, I swipe my lips with a Dr. Pepper Bonnebelle lip smacker, the perfect scent and color for fall, and I walk away confident in my life choices. It's yet to happen, but this movie is about the high school experience so many of us had of being weird, having uncool interests or hobbies, feeling on the outside of the experiences of those perceived popular kids. Maybe we felt listless in our small towns, and whether or not they were small, it probably mostly felt like they were uncomfortably small at times for us. There were only so many things that we could do or be or weren't able to do or be. The social hierarchy, the expectations from others in our life. I mean, sometimes you want to eat chips all day and talk to babes online or draw pictures of ligers, which of course is the offspring of a male lion and a female tiger. So let's get into the birth chart of this movie. I was able to find that the movie was filmed in Preston, Idaho in July 2003. If we're trusting IMDb, and you know what, in this case we are, filming began on July 8th, 2003. So Napoleon Dynamite is a sweet little cancer son. Indeed, they have a cancer stellium with their son, Mercury, Venus, and Saturn all in cancer. So they care about their home, their family, those close to them. And as we know, the USA is a cancer. That's the cancer sun sign is their sun sign. And it seems like this is a uniquely American experience of high school. I say this because when I showed this film to the Belgian exchange student living with us, I don't really think it landed. He's a continental European, so he had no idea what to do with Napoleon's terrible perm. I believe these were outlawed by the EU long before they had come of age. Also, real talk, the dude had no idea who Haley Duff was, and he has no knowledge of her illustrious TV movie career, and I'm pretty sure he doesn't own her cookbook. So, cultural immersion experience was a fail. Now, in this birth chart, we have two, an interesting moon trine Mars, and the moon is in seven degrees of Scorpio, and the Mars is in seven degrees of Pisces, both water signs. So we're kind of adding to that watery, emotional energy um, after talking about that Cancer sun. But this moon Mars trine, to me, speaks to a certain confidence, right? Like the moon rules our emotions, Mars rules our actions, they're vibing, it's a confidence of a chart holder, and I think it's really exemplified by how this movie plays out. The characters in the film who, you know, are are confident or 
you know, capable of, you know, liking themselves, do the best, right? Napoleon dancing to help his friend, you know, unabashedly leaning into something he loves. Pedro running for office. Deb, you know, selling bracelets and working really hard so she can go to college. Kip and LaFonda choosing love in an ever-darkening world. And even Grandma for taking her dune buggy into the desert, even if it meant breaking her coccyx. The characters that we see who you know, feel inhibited or feel like they have to, you know, cling to these archetypes that are really present in high school, the popular people, right? Uncle Rico, Summer, they're ultimately not as successful as the characters who dare to live their life uninhibited and in appreciation of who they really are. This chart also has an exact Venus-Saturn conjunction with both planets in four degrees of Cancer, so more water signs. So often with Saturn, it tells us about what the themes in our lives that are not going to come easily or quickly for us. Saturn, in a word, is restrictive. It causes delays. This conjunction with Venus, which is typically viewed as a benefic planet, so a planet that has, you know, good things to offer the chart holder, and Saturn being a malefic, so something that inhibits the chart holder, makes me think of someone who actually is maybe ahead of their time. Hear me out. Venus is the planet of values. It's the planet of aesthetics. It's meeting up with Saturn, who's like harshing their vibe. Saturn, you fat lard, stop stifling the vibe. Even just reminiscing about the cult phenomena that was the vote for Pedro shirt after the movie, or how that 80s style that kind of is present throughout the film definitely made its way to other fashion trends in the early 2000s. The movie was in a league of its own when it came to the aesthetic it was presenting. And also, if you need to relive the glory days of the vote for Pedro shirt, I have included an incredible Vice article all about it in the show notes. It features someone I know, and I thought it was really well written. The final aspect in the birth chart I'm going to talk about is the Jupiter-Neptune opposition, where Jupiter, the planet of expansion, so unlike Saturn, Saturn restrictive, Jupiter expanding, is in 19 degrees of Leo. And Neptune, as we know from our previous episodes, is a planet that rules films. And this is in 12 degrees of Aquarius. To me, these two planets being opposed points to the fact that the film is going to be a commercial success. And it's interesting, though, because we have these two placements. And it really speaks to the fact that the film only cost like $200,000 to make. And it later went on to gross $44 million at the box office. None of that money includes the money that they made from the aforementioned shirts or, you know, items, anything related to the movie that sold like as an aftermarket item. But this aspect, I know what you're thinking, it's an opposition. So like, it's not all fun and games. This isn't a sex sextile. It's not a, you know, conjunction or a trine. There's got to be a dark side. And this is what I think it is. This aspect is highlighting something the movie pioneered, which we now call the Napoleon Dynamite problem. It is not a math problem because I would not be here for that. But, well, maybe it is. Okay, quirky films are really hard for algorithms to understand. Basically, they don't know how to categorize it when there are other movies involved. For example, if you are watching Netflix and you opt to watch a movie like the Lindsay Lohan classic, Georgia Rule, the algorithm looks at that movie and thinks, okay, there are certain things about this film that you might like. Maybe it's that it's a family drama or a movie with a star-studded cast or movies where the main character has to go home. Or maybe you just fell asleep on the remote and that's what happened. But a film that doesn't contain a traditional 
plot structure or well-known stars or themes makes it really hard for an algorithm to recommend anything else to you besides movies that are also quirky. I do want to add a quick note on the film premiere, which happened during the Sundance Film Festival in uh, on January 15th, 2004. For this secondary chart, we're going to use noon as the birth time, which we always do when we don't know when things start, and Sundance, Utah as the birthplace for this film premiere chart. So often when we talk about film premieres, there are not going to be a lot of changes from when the original filming chart, um, and that's because there's not often a ton of time that happens between when a film starts filming and then when it is premiering as a, a finished film, right? It's probably no more than two years for anything that we've done thus far. It would be super fun though to find a movie that does have a long length between when it was filmed and then when it ultimately premieres because I think we'd see a lot more movement in the chart. So there'd be a lot of planets that have then changed signs. But in this case, there's not a lot of movement in the chart, right? All those outer planets are going to be the same. It's worth noting, though, that this movie premieres chart Sun, right, that moves quickly, is in 24 degrees of Capricorn, and that is forming an opposition to the natal sun's birth chart. Uh, the birth chart has the natal sun in 16 degrees of Cancer. We also have that Mercury in the natal chart for the movie in 20 degrees of Cancer. So this is a little wide at 8 degrees, so it's not really like the strongest um, that Sun, you know, opposition to one another. But we're moving from Cancer to Capricorn. And to me, that is the the theme on that axis is the focus from the personal, our home, you know, those kinds of themes that are very Cancerian. The movie is filmed in Preston, Idaho. It's where the filmmakers, uh, you know, that's where they're from, to the work world and these external influences, right? Now it's, you know, at a fancy movie premiere in Sundance. It's very indie darling, very cool. This film is moving from this, you know, tiny shoestring budget that's really just an act of love that someone wanted to create and was the product of an art school film to kind of joining the ranks with other like well-known producers and films and kind of mingling with this, you know, very fancy elite in film. So the next date that I'm going to look at here is actually like a series of time and that is when there is a lawsuit and the entire time this happens, the Saturn is in Libra. There's a long period of time I'm referencing, and basically that's August 30th, 2011 through November 28th, 2012. And again, the entire time that I'm referencing these dates, Saturn is in Libra. Now, that is kind of interesting because Libra rules relationships, and Saturn in Libra could point to themes of slowdowns, restrictions, difficulties in relationships. This is a lawsuit about a business relationship between Fox and Napoleon Pictures. And basically, on August 30th, 2011, Napoleon Films, which is the movie that produced Napoleon Dynamite, said, hey, Fox, since we've been working together, has underreported royalties. So they haven't been honest about the sales of our you know, DVDs or our ticket sales, and we've lost out on money because of this. They've been kind of shady. So obviously this is a little uncomfortable, right? Someone saying that you don't think your business partner is being honest. So simply having Saturn change to Libra, that doesn't really give us like a specific information. It very much feels like if you were listening to a podcast about the astrological weather, someone might say, hey, Saturn's moving into Libra this year. Look at whatever house that's in in your chart. That's where there's going to be some difficulties. 
but we don't have the houses. So how do we get any more information? Well, know this. Ultimately, Fox is victorious in nine of the 10 counts that were alleged in the lawsuit. So basically, Napoleon Pictures doesn't walk away with a lot. And there should be a way to see this in the chart, right? Like in the chart of the movie. And we kind of can see it. So Saturn and Libra is forming a square to both Napoleon Dynamite film chart, their natal Saturn, which is in Cancer. So there's definitely some tension there. But if you remember correctly, the chart also has the Sun and Mercury and Venus all in Cancer. So that means that at some point during this time, they were also being squared by Saturn. Because basically what I'm getting at is that like Saturn and Libra is going to start at zero degrees of the sign and work its way all through 29 degrees of the sign. So it's bouncing through squaring natal Venus and Saturn and the natal Saturn at four degrees of Cancer. And then it's going to, that will happen when it's in four degrees of Libra. And then it's moving through Libra. And eventually it's going to square the sun at 16 degrees of Cancer and the Mercury at 20 degrees of Cancer. And that's a lot. If that was happening to you, it would be ouch. Our moon is in a lot of traditional astrology, like our mother, our creator. In this case, it's the people who produced and created this film. And our Venus sign is about our money, our resources, and having that be in tension with Saturn is truly crappy. Almost as crappy as the time that Napoleon decides to work on a chicken farm. No bueno. Okay, now Wikipedia was kind enough to remind me that at one time there was a short-lived animated series of Napoleon Dynamite. And that is the last date that I'm going to get into for this episode. I do not remember this. I don't know what I was doing in 2012 that I missed it, but I did. If you do remember this and it was a great love of yours, then please accept my sincerest apologies. I will say that unfortunately the show was only on the air for about six months. But what is really interesting to me is that it aired eight years to the date on the film Sundance premiere. Yes, Fox released the show on January 15th, 2012. But you're thinking, okay, like you don't remember the show. Maybe I don't remember the show. Why is the show not successful? I kind of like the, you know, eight years later, it, you know, becomes a new thing. It featured all the main characters being voiced by the same actors who were played in the film. So that also seems like a point in its favor. And I will say this, an animated show based on a live action movie, it is not a guaranteed hit. And two, 2012, guess what? Saturn is still in Libra, 29 degrees to be exact on January 15th, 2012. And it's very much squaring that natal Mercury in 20 degrees of Cancer. We talked about it briefly with the lawsuit. And you know what? It's still happening here. And to add insult to injury, the moon on that day, January 15th, 2012, in that birth chart is in 17 degrees of Libra. Libra, here we go again. And that is forming a very tight square to the film's birth chart, natal sun, yep, sun, in 16 degrees of Cancer. So again, more of that stifling Saturn energy. Oh, Saturn sucks. Okay, I will never do a Napoleon Dynamite impression again, but... Saturn stifling the Mercury, which is the planet of communication, while the moon ruling our emotions and parents is in tension with the identity of the movie. So while there's never been any public comment, and this is pure speculation, it could be that the people who created the animated show, it it wasn't a similar vision to the film. There's that moon emotional and sun, you know, they're not in sync. There's tension there. 
that could have been a, a contributing factor. I'm closing up this episode with yet another, oh my God, it's a sequel announcement. Anytime I do a movie that seems as though it was made at least 15 years ago, it seems inevitable that in doing research, news will have surfaced that there is going to be a remake of some variety in the works. Mostly, this makes me feel like some kind of ancient hag researching movies I knew and loved when I was but a young hag, but it also feels like movie studios are becoming the equivalent of pop culture grandparents. Okay, you remember, maybe you've had an older relative who remembers you being eight years old, and then they assume that you still deeply enjoy the exact thing, same things you did back then, regardless of how much time has elapsed. Like movie producers, I mean, I still really love animals and colorful band-aids and slime, but I'm like in my early 30s, so I've gotten a little more nuanced in my thoughts and preferences. Like, you know, for a while I wasn't really as existentialist. I didn't really like wine or scary movies or understand throw pillows. Younger me, she was missing out. I mean, yeah, she was acting like hot shit because she had a caboodle and bike shorts, but she didn't have a damn clue. Now, here's where I break your heart, because if Wikipedia is right, this is the film pro- like plot for the sequel. The film centers around Pedro and Summer, who have since, you know, stopped feuding, married, and have several children, and opened a bakery with one another. Kip achieved his dream of becoming a cage fighter, and me, I'm not feeling it. As with all of these supposed sequels, only time will tell if it comes to, to be. And if they do make a sequel of any of the movies I've covered on this show, please rest assured that I'm going to be looking up that chart and discussing every last juicy little aspect. So whether you have nunchuck skills, bow hunting skills, computer hacking skills, remember that everyone and everything has a chart of fortune. Whether you have nunchuck skills, bow hunting skills, computer hacking skills, remember that everyone and everything has a birth chart, but yours is a chart of fortune. Thank you for listening to Chart of Fortune. If you like what's happening here, I'd love if you'd subscribe and leave a five-star review. Just think about how cool you'll seem if you liked this podcast before everybody else does. If you have questions, comments, concerns, or anything else you want to share with the class, please email me at chartoffortune at gmail.com or message my Instagram, which is chartoffortune. A huge shout out this week to What's On Your Mind, who gave a five-star review saying the political episodes were amazing and give me hope. If you leave a five-star review, I will read it on a future episode. Just think of the shameless promotional opportunities that await. Until next time, bye!